Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's been training military and law enforcement plus civilians in self-defense and hand-to-hand combat for the better part of three decades. And he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from San Diego, California, we have on the phone Tony Blauer. Thanks for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show, Tony. Hey, how are you? It's a pleasure to have you with us. Before we go into details, most of the guests we have on our show are law enforcement, active, retired, family members, spouses. We've had firefighters, EMTs. We have supporters. Uh, Tony would, I guess, fall into the latter category of supporter and kind of a unique conversation we have. Tony has spent, uh, I believe, the better part of three decades training military, law enforcement, and civilians in hand-to-hand combat and self-defense, Correct. Yeah, it's actually been incredibly good to math just this week. I was updating my bio. Uh, 43 years. I'm 58 now. I've been like four decades teaching. Wow. We're going to get into a lot of conversations about a lot of things. Before we go into a lot of that, let's talk about your company. You train military. You train law enforcement. You offer self-defense classes for civilians. Where can people get more information? Uh, if they just Google uh, Tony Blower, uh, tons of stuff will pop up. But our main website is Blower Spear, and it's my last name, Blower, B-L-A-U-E-R, Spear, S-P-E-A-R. And Spear, we'll discuss it after, the acronym for the system that I've uh, developed. But go ahead and f- go for it right now. What does Spear stand for? Yeah, so Spear is kind of a cool acronym for Spontaneous Protection Enabling Accelerated Response. The the acronym refers to our body's organic, hardwired startle flinch response and how we figured out through some uh, years of of research, analysis, studying violence, how to weaponize the startle flinch. What happens in, and you could be a trained cop, you could be military, you could be a citizen. If violence happens really quickly and you're not watching it happen from a distance, there's always a flinch associated with it. And the flinch is 
kind of you've all done that like you know you turn you turn around there's a spider in front of you oh, a bumblebee yeah. uh, you walk around the corner and somebody's right there and you, you flinch you recoil your body flinches it recoils away from the danger uh you can recover really quickly if it's just like you know a practical joke or or you know something innocuous but when it's sudden violence what happens is your body moves in a in a very predictable way but incongruent with the complex motor skills you were taught so your hands will come up to protect your head, where in the case of a police officer that needed to access uh, his firearm, his hands are moving in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, an- another thing that happens is uh, in a flinch, uh, you hold your breath, you stop breathing. We all know how important it is to you know keep that keep your breath control. In, you are so right about situation. that. In, in violent situations that I've been in, I've had to, to remind myself to breathe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, you, your body it, starts to shut down certain parts of your systems that don't don't seem to be important at the time and of course having oxygen is very much needed yeah it's 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 everything you know this conversation if, if suddenly all the oxygen disappeared from all your listeners cars or rooms like they wouldn't care what i was talking about or what right. you were talking about they'd be they'd be panicking there's so a good happens- a, a good analogy i want to interrupt you real quick you know yeah. I, I love watching mma and uh, I, I see quite often you see a very physically opposing opponent that's very muscular, very big, yeah. very big definition. And then they get into uh, the fight with what appears to be a smaller guy, even in the same weight category, same weight class. And really what happens is that bigger, more muscular guy who seems so intimidating in the later rounds starts to lose his cardio and it yeah. becomes less effective. They say... The more muscle you have, the more oxygen is required to feed that muscle so you can respond. Yeah, I mean, it all, I mean, you know, you're right on that. I don't like any generalization that kind of can get in our head. You know, the mind navigates the body. So if someone were to say to me, oh, you, you're not going to have good cardio because you're too muscular. Uh, if I believe that, and, and this is really part of our, the biggest part of our system uh, is what we've done for the combat mindset for managing fear. And, and I've had the uh, privilege and opportunity to, to share my research on, on victims of violence and the, the differentiation in mindset and, this, and the internal coaching that goes on between a victim and a victor. And, it, and it, you know, the victor doesn't go, oh, I'm going to use jujitsu. I'm going to use MMA. No. I'm going to use karate. The victor says, I'm not going to die tonight. Right. This isn't happening to me. And so they're both really, really scared. But one person stays focused on what's happening to them. And the other person shifts their focus to what they need to do. And that's all mindset and fear management control. But back to your MMA example, this is aerobic capacity. And, uh, you know, I used to, I've worked with a lot of MMA, MMA fighters, uh, world-class guys, uh, you know, UFC level. Um, and I remember one guy that I was training, we had his heart rate up on a treadmill doing sprints at 188 beats per minute. I'd have him do sprints on that and then jump off and do complex motor skill uh, grappling moves. And what I told him in preparation for, it was a, it was a title fight, you know, I said, listen, the guy you're fighting is way more experienced and you can't fake experience. There's no way you can make up right. his 10 fights to your one fight. So the only way you're going to beat him is an endurance and stamina. So we can work on your endurance and stamina, but I can't get you 10 fights before your fight next month. Right. right? And and so, like, if I told you, hey, you're going to, you're going to, you know, 
uh, with a heart rate monitor, get up to 180 beats per minute and then jump off and do complex motor skills well, and you'll see where I'm going with this. I'm going to come full circle in a second. The scientific literature out there, and you've heard this from your days as a cop, when the survival learning research stuff came out, they would say, as your heart rate elevates, your complex motor skills deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what happens is you hear that in a class as a, as a recruit or you hear that as a young you know, fighter in a martial arts school, elevated heart rate equals, you know, poor complex motor skills. And that becomes one of your beliefs in your head. And so what I've done with with uh, military, with law enforcement is we've created a, it's actually a, a program uh, component of what we teach called combat calisthenics, where instead of just going for runs, or sprints or hill sprints or weight training, we associate everything to a scenario so that what they're doing is while they're working their aerobic capacity or their strength and condition, conditioning, we're actually reverse engineering it to support a combat scenario. So what they're doing in essence is they're working on complex motor skills at an elevated heart rate, thus kind of demunking this erroneous belief. Yeah, now, a lot of the, the, the belief systems that we've been taught, all that stuff is great, uh, was I, I believe it was Mike Tyson said, you know, everybody has a game plan in a fight till they get punched in the face, and then everything changes. And when you have life and death battles, I mean, fierce, ferocious fights, at least in my experience, time slows down, and a lot of the, the things that we were taught or became ingrained in our head don't even come into question. It comes down to, what do I have to do to survive? What do I have to do to make sure this guy does not kill me, that I win? Well, well, that was the big epiphany I had. I was doing a, a, a private course for Smith & Wesson uh, many, many years ago, and I got interviewed by SWAT magazine, and, you know, we were just talking about stuff, and I said, well, you know, defensive tactics is still being taught like a classical or traditional martial art, and there's nothing wrong with learning a martial art, except that when you look at the way people do, like what they call katas, katas, you know, the organized or stylized movement, like, have you ever seen a street fight where anybody in the world moves like that? No, it doesn't, no. it doesn't happen like right. that. Right? But that's how it's practiced. It's, you know, this, okay, suspect's here, you're inside the reactionary gap, step to two o'clock, secure his wrist, secure his elbow. You know, like, that's how you practice it. And then nobody could figure out why cops were getting punched in the face or getting their gun grabbed. Uh, and it was because there was this, like, myopic focus to this step one, step two methodology. So what I created... And this is years before neuroscience figured out all this, you know, neurotransmitter and myelinization and how the brain actually learns. We were doing scenarios back in the 80s before it was even like a thing, before there was the word stress inoculation or scenario-based training. Tony, I'm going to cut you off. We're going to take a short break. We are talking with Tony Blauer, expert, decades of experience in teaching Self-defense, hand-to-hand combat skills for military, law enforcement, and civilians. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest price 
prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786 800-932-1786. And we are back. Joining us on the phone, calling from San Diego, California, Tony Blower. Thanks for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show, Tony. Thank you. We've been talking a lot about neuroscience and things that, quite honestly, it can become overwhelming and say, okay, I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. I as a retired law enforcement officer, I get a lot of what you're talking about. I don't always see the application. And I would just go back to the last incident that ended my career. And it was a a classic, is a stolen car. A guy had a bunch of crack cocaine in the car and we carried revolvers back then. And I got him out, was going to lock him up and as trying to reholster my revolver. And at that point he started to resist and he grabbed the gun and we got into an actual fight over the gun with it being fired, all six rounds being fired, many of them towards wow. my head, one grazed his abdomen, fortunately both survived, but it destroyed my wrist, and after many surgeries later, steel plates, screws, the whole nine yards, I was retired at the ripe old age of 33. In that incident, quickly went from a routine, for lack of better words, and I hate that word, it quickly yeah. went from 
a car theft arrest to a guy who was compliant to a guy who's trying to kill me. And I remember to this day, I will never forget the thought came in my mind that this cat is trying to murder me. And I thought I'm going to die, but it's not going to be tonight. And it's not going to be because of you. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that I survive. Yeah. Whatever yeah, it took. Right. If it meant shooting him, that's what was going to, whatever it took was going to, what was going to happen. And thank God it didn't I, turn to that. Yeah, and I love I love what you say there. And everybody listening to this who isn't trained, I want you to kind of meditate on the language. I'm going to die, but it's not going to be today. Hopefully, it'll just be old age. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I, I I did a I posted a meme the other day uh, where I was actually it was a, a shot of me working with a, a, a female participant in some sort of like weapon defense scenario. And the caption was, don't be an accomplice to your murder. Mm-hmm. Don't be an accomplice to your murder. And what, what we're talking about there is like, people live in a bubble. Uh, they think the cavalry's gonna rush in. And we know this, like, you know, what's the average response time? You call 911, what's the average response time? Well, it depends Two, where you three, are. Four or five minutes, rural, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, three to five minutes, you know you know what can happen in three minutes? Mm-hmm. And so, so as much as the cops want to be there and stop violence, they're minutes away when things are happening in seconds. And at the end of the day, I always say, you know who's the first responder in your confrontation? You, you are. Absolutely the right. Actually, the cops actually the second responder, if you yep. want to get that. And that's a lesson I've tr- my my uh, wife and I have tried to teach to my daughters and my younger sisters that always had to be prepared. This thought that bad stuff won't happen to me, it only happens to someone else, is the first thing that's got to go. Am I wrong there? No, you're 100% right, except that what I found is, you know, you talked about, like, the, you know, the three communities that I, that I teach, uh, military, law enforcement, general public, civilians, citizens of the world. It's like pulling teeth to get citizens to come to the class. Most cops are like, yeah, we're okay, you know, okay, let's do this. Because they just, they're going to figure out how to get it done. And then the m- military is like, okay, let's train. And it's interesting to see the different mindsets of, and the focus, the leaning into the training and what it'll do to enhance their survivability. So you're not wrong with what you're saying. We've just got to figure out a way, uh, and this is rhetorical, to say it in a way that doesn't create more fear. Right. right? So, like, Oh, yeah, like, I get you. And, yeah. yeah, and so that's that's the that's the tricky thing. It's like I I can remember you know you know uh, being on a flight. Uh, it was a red eye flight, and I was hoping to sleep, and someone sat down beside me, and she was all like you know almost missed the flight, so she was full of adrenaline, and she says you know like so what do you do? And I don't want to start talking. It's midnight. We're taxing, and I I say I look at her. I go oh I'm in life insurance, thinking who wants to talk about life insurance just before while they're taxing on a right I'm just trying to I'm just trying to stymie the conversation and she looks me up and down and she goes no you're not I can tell and uh she says what do you do seriously and I said okay I'm in life extension insurance right. and she started to laugh and she said what's that and I said I I teach self-defense I teach people how to avoid violence and an interesting thing is, like, I work really hard on, like, I'll tell people, I'm not going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to not fight. I'm going to teach you to understand situation awareness and how to manage your fear and how to practice courage so that you're nowhere near the violence. 
And so I'm trying to find like a different way to inspire people, almost in the same way, like if I said to you, hey, would you like to learn some tactical first aid and some CPR? God forbid you're like in a restaurant or out somewhere and you could save somebody's life with another skills. Most people will say, yeah, of course, I'd love to do that. But if I say, would you like to learn some self-defense so that you could stop somebody from maybe kidnapping you or raping you or murdering you, people are like, uh, uh, it's amazing how people don't get that connection and, they, yeah. and, and it inspires that fear in them. It's, and it's so true. It, it's not to ingrain in their mind that there's threats around every corner because there's not. Most of life is mundane and routine, and there's a lot of joy to be had. Correct. But the idea, especially my daughters and my wife, that, that bad things can't happen to them, it's got to be, I always say keep your head in a swivel, but the main thing is to trust your instincts. If someone makes you mm-hmm. very uncomfortable, trust them. You can always yeah. apologize later if you're if you're wrong, but... 100%. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, don't, don't discard these things, these red flags going off in your head saying, this guy's bad, something's wrong with him. Well, it, 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 it's interesting because I was uh, corresponding with a, a, a police officer last night through uh, one of the social media channels, and he was at a seminar, and people were talking about, like, well, you don't want to flinch, so why can't we learn how to condition our flinch? And he asked me what I thought about that. And I went, you know, when people who don't understand neuroscience and physiology talk about neuroscience and physiology, they come up with cockamamie ideas. Your startle flinch is part of your survival reflex. Mm-hmm. We're not, you can't change your startle flinch. You can only change what you do after you flinch. And, and it's the same thing. And I'm going to tie this to what you're talking about, instincts and intuition. You don't want to manipulate your instincts or your intuition. You want to learn to trust them and integrate them into a practical, tactical choice. So we call that the three eyes. Learn to integrate instincts and intuition, and then that will be intelligent. And I loved what you said uh, about, you know, you can apologize after people. We live in a, if I've been I'm trying to think of a, a polite term for this, but, you know, it, it, we're, we're, we're so worried about offending people. And it's at the, the, the heightened peak of, of, of that, you know, in the last couple of years, but it's been going that way for, for decades where we get socialized and domesticated. And I'll say to somebody, well, why didn't you assert yourself there? And you go, well, I didn't want to create a scene. I didn't want to do. And here's an interesting stat for everybody listening is every victim of violence who lived to tell the tale. Did I say every? That's 100%. Mm-hmm. Every victim of violence who lived to tell the tale said they had a bad feeling before the attack. Yeah. Not a single one said it, it was just came out of nowhere like Star Trek, he beamed down. And so what I tell people in our courses is, is you know, and, and you don't even have to get to a course to integrate this, so it comes back to what you said, is if you get a bad feeling, you always choose safety. That's one of the mantras in our course, and I make people promise that there's no downside to choosing safety. If you choose safety in a potentially uh, dangerous or violent encounter, you're safer. If you ignore a pre-contact cue of a, at an instinctive level, an intuitive level, you put yourself in more danger by eating up time and space. Yes. So, you know, there's there, folks listening, there's like, you get a bad feeling about somebody or somebody, a car or parking lot, be late, turn around, stop, turn the, and I, and I, I use this, this metaphor for untrained people, they'll, they'll, they dig this, is I go like, your intuition's like a, like a, a personal GPS. You plug in an address and a GPS and you miss your turn. What does your GPS tell you? It says, hey, make a legal U-turn. You know, you missed, you're going the wrong way. So I tell people your intuition will do the same thing for you. You're getting close to danger, 
something's going to ping and you need to go, oh, I'm going the wrong way and you need to turn around, this is a metaphor, turn around and go the opposite direction. We are talking with Tony Blauer on the Law Enforcement Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677 get your free starter kit until 500 are gone you'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk largely tax-free and get 90 percent of the work done for you for pennies that's 800-956-0677 800-956-0677 again 800-956-0677 that's 800-956-0677 When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Returning to our conversation with Tony Blower. Tony is, and I love saying this, he's an expert. And uh, for lack of better words, it's used too often, martial arts. And people don't understand what that means, but let's say self-defense, hand-to-hand combat, those sort of things. Uh, You teach military, law enforcement, and civilians. Your system is uh, the SPEAR system. What does SPEAR stand for again? Yeah, it's Spontaneous Protection Enabling Accelerated Response. And the acronym actually came out of, I was working uh, with uh, a group out in Coronado in 1993, showing them a move, and I was talking about... um, a, that it was counterintuitive to move towards the danger when there was sudden danger. I said, but as the good guys, when the bad guy suddenly erupts, your body at a physiological level wants to recoil from that danger. We need to override that and charge the threat because moving backwards is always slower than moving forward. Right. And the bad guy, right? And so, uh, you know, you look at the difference. The average police officer is told to create space, but what is a SWAT team taught to do? They're taught to go right at it. 
right. And so that's, you think about how like contradictory that is. Like you're, you know, three feet away from a bad guy and suddenly makes this furtive gesture, he target glances your gun and all your training as a cop is create space where you're moving backwards. He's moving forwards. If the race starts there, every cop's going to get run over. That's just physics and math. And and I'm not an expert, you know, but every, every fight I've ever watched with, a few exceptions. There were very few fighters. I'm talking professional fighters that could fight effectively, moving backwards. Uh, right. Most of them, most normal people like me, and I'm not, you know, a super bad. None of that stuff. You know, I can't, I can't defend myself if I'm retreating. It puts you in yeah. a vulnerable position. Plus, there's the old adage we were always taught, or learned, or acquired from the, the old timers was. That you know, when someone is a perpetrator, when they're they're trying to inflict violence upon you, they have a plan. It might be very loosely knit, but their idea is to to be aggressive until they're forced not to be aggressive. And the only right. way you can force someone not to be aggressive is to be aggressive yourself. Yeah, and and you got to you know what we want. And coming back to the spear system, as I looked at how the human body actually moves. I looked at the psychological factors of movement. You know, nobody starts if we went to track and field, let's take it out of fighting. You know, nobody lines up on the line of a 100-meter dash, 100-yard dash, facing the wrong way. Like every, you know, when you're you're playing football, playing soccer, really any sport, you're always facing downrange, right, with the body. So this idea of moving backwards or teaching people to move backwards, again, it's counterintuitive because at a cellular level, if I go boo like a jack-in-the-box, you recoil away. So I was down here in 1993 uh, uh, teaching this, and I called this this principle. It was just a, a metaphor. I said, I want you to be like the tip of the spear, and I want you to move towards the threat uh, in these scenarios we were doing. And I said, you know, like that resonates with the old, you've heard the maxim, like real warriors tip of the spear. I want you to be the tip of the mm-hmm. spear and impale the attack. They loved it, but it was, it was such a big move. So I figured out a way to weaponize the startle flinch as a result where we use the forearms, the forearms as like kind of a, uh, in, in the place of a PR 24. Because your hands would come up, right? The, 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 you know, the flinch causes the hand to come up to protect the head. So the forearms came into play, and I figured out how to create kind of almost this organic airbag response. If you follow the metaphor, the, the, the bad guy attacks you, triggers a flinch. It's like an airbag being deployed, and then you learn how to use your forearms immediately. And they, they loved it. I called it the spear. They wanted to know what the acronym was, but there was no acronym in, uh, acronym back then. Like right. It was like, what, an acronym? And then I thought how cool it would be. And I thought about what we were doing was we were converting this flinch. So that was spontaneous protection. And then the accelerated response is we're using the kinetic energy of that. And it just makes sense. And again, like you said earlier in the show, neuroscience, blah, 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 psycho babble, blah, blah, blah. This is the simplest thing that anybody can learn because regardless of your gender, your age, your size, if you have an ultrasound of of a of a uh, a baby growing in the mom's belly, there's what's called the moral reflex. You'll see the beginnings of this startle flinch, right? right? And 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 it goes through our whole life. So I, I flinched watching scary age. movies. It's yeah. not just real life stuff. Even though yeah. the cat runs out, it, it, it jump, and no matter how hard you try, you can't help but do it. Exactly. So yeah. I so get we that, that part. Out, yeah. Yeah. So we've figured out a way to turn that because that's what happens first, right? You're, there's there's a ton of neuroscience research that that says that when a stimulus is introduced too quickly, it's your emotional 
system that picks up the dangers, like your emotional system that says, I got a bad feeling, is almost like you're like in this intuitive radar that's picking up the problem in advance. And that's supported by every interview of every victim of violence I've ever had. You just and brought so, up something really important. We said a feeling. And I see a lot of this in social media, people being hypercritical of law enforcement. They say, I felt that my life was in danger or was in fear of imminent bodily harm, which are legal terms. And where, like I related that incident where I knew, I thought, I felt that man was trying to murder me and I'd do whatever it took to survive. So this feeling is something that is not innocuous. It's not, uh, it's actual reality and it's for everybody. It's not just law enforcement, correct? Yeah, I mean, this is, see, what unites us all, and here's the thing is, you know, you're a retired cop, we could be in, in a, a movie theater, in a restaurant, at a meeting, you're a retired cop, there's an active duty cop, there's me, a self-defense instructor, and one of your random uh, listeners who's got no training, uh, middle-aged woman, we could be sitting there, and and if somebody drops all the dishes in this restaurant, and it sounds like gunfire or sounds like an explosion we all flinch exactly the same there's yeah. a micro flinch where we recoil and we all turn our, our 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 auditory sense makes us orient towards the danger what happens next influences who survives right and that's really what it's all about and yeah i'm going to go back to my old experience as, as a, a rookie officer this is way back in the 80s and um this is back when we carried the big, heavy wooden nightsticks. We called them S-Pantoons in Baltimore. And it was, uh, when we had that flinch, you, you held your non-gun hand. It was a quick response right away to the midsection of someone. So it was a great way of keeping people at distance and subduing them quickly without having to resort to uh, deadly force. Right. But one of the things I was taught early on, and this is something I think a lot of the general public doesn't get, is when someone tells me, with their language and combines with their body language that they're going to attack me, that I should react immediately and not wait for them to strike me first, regardless of what their size is. Right. And a lot of people don't get that because you get punched on the button, on the chin, even by a smaller opponent, that can pretty much destabilize your entire nervous system for a while and you're vulnerable. Yep. That's you know, and this is an important point just in terms of, of you know some of some of the problems that plague uh, modern law enforcement is people don't they don't want to see the violence and they don't realize how dangerous the job is and you know in in terms of like the, the, the science around communication it's made up of three components body language tone and words right and you know someone can say to you officer, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to be totally, you know, cooperative with you, but he's walking towards you and, and, you know, you, you see him like pulling out a knife and he right. said, he's not going to hurt you, but his body language is telling you something completely different. Or he could be moving backwards saying, you know, I'm going to kill you, but his voice is quavering and you can tell he's trying to, you know, uh, get out of the back door. So, you know, there are so many factors that the general public uh, never gets to see, and of course, you know, oftentimes what the media does is they they edit out all of the stuff that led you know the officer to go, okay, this is going to be a real problem, and then they just you know they it's, it's almost like 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 showing the 
ninth and tenth round of the fight, but not showing any of the oh, lead. Oh yeah, this is totally misleading. Uh, and uh, yeah. by the way, a lot of these people who don't know, if you're tuning in, a lot of people when they're in prison, they actually practice these routines. 100%. They practice coming off the wall, launching to an assault. They try to practice keeping their uh, body language and posture a certain way uh so they invade arrest and, and create uh, all kinds of injury and uh, our law enforcement officers don't practice anywhere near as much we're gonna take a short break we are talking with tony blower this is law enforcement Today's show we'll be right back hi my name is lily my mom and dad used to fight about money all the time then one day i heard them talking about this guy some uncle i never knew called uncle sam Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. The opioid epidemic is affecting countless lives, including young adults. Did you know approximately 45% of opioid prescriptions to adolescents are made by dentists, often after wisdom teeth removal? These drugs carry risks, but you can help reduce your risk or the risk for a loved one. If prescribed an opioid, ask your dentist to consider limiting prescriptions to three days, using over-the-counter pain relievers, and properly disposing of unused medications. For more information, go to Shatterproof.org. This has been a message from Shatterproof, United Healthcare, and this station. We are having a interesting conversation with Tony Blower. Tony uh, has been teaching self-defense and uh, hand-to-hand combat for more than three decades to military, law enforcement, uh, private citizens. Uh, what is your website again, Tony? It's Blower Spear, my last name, B-L-A-U-E-R Spear, S-P-E-A-R. And I've made a mistake of putting the U before the A so many times and getting a bad domain. So it's B-L-A-U-E-R Spear. Correct. Oh, see, I finally got it right. <laughs> was worried I'd go. mess that up. One of the, the conversation points that we, we started getting to before the break, so many people, especially in the day of the cell phone video camera, is that they are videoing interactions with police. And it, it usually starts once they go hands-on. Okay, that's what the terms use a lot now. Once an officer has to go hands-on with someone, which no one wants to do. And by the way, I've had maybe... One incident since retiring from police work. Most people I know, law enforcement outside of it, military, regular civilians, have no desire to get in any kind of physical confrontation with anybody at any time. And the first thing I always do is a walk away from anything unless you force me otherwise. So, plus I'm an old man, I want to get older. Right. What happens is they they view the scenario from the end. Like you said, they're showing the fight from the last two rounds. Right. And and what happens is all use of force, this was taught to me early on, all use of force by law enforcement is ugly. It's going to look very, very bad. And one of the problems that we tend to fall into is this mindset would be training 
departmental policy, whatever it might be, that we wrestle with the guys, we just try to subdue them, and it becomes a long, prolonged affair. Then you open yourself up to a greater chance of physical injury, a greater chance of getting your sidearm, and a lot of officers killed with their own weapons. So Mm -hmm. if you gotta use force, and I was taught this by old timers, make it swift, make it decisive, and neutralize them immediately. It looks a lot less uglier than this pity patty wrestling, all this other stuff. Agreed. And yet we can't seem to get that message through to a lot of our law enforcement officers and society as a whole doesn't seem to get that message. Well, here's one of the, one of the, one of the issues is in the last eight years, training has been compromised for law enforcement officers. And it'd be like if, if, you know, if we suddenly, if half the teams in the NFL and the NBA and the, you know, uh, uh, baseball, if half the teams stop training in, in uh, the summer preseason and they just started the season, well, they would get decimated, right? I mean, they're, they'd be emotional, they'd be out of control because they haven't conditioned themselves. Training has, I mean, training has always, in my opinion, taken a back seat. Uh, you know, uh, you, you get, uh, you know, one officer survival training day a year. Right. You go through your, your academy. It's very stylized. It's very mechanical. And it's something I said earlier on the show that, that and this is when I was at, uh, I don't even think I, I finished the, the story when I was at Smith & Wesson being interviewed by SWAT magazine. You know, they said, hey, what's what's wrong with the way things are? How do we correct it? And I said, look, the litmus test is the body cam and dashboard video. The litmus test isn't how you train. The actual game footage, in the case of law enforcement, is the body cam, CCTV, uh, you know, uh, uh, dashboard videos, where we see how, and what I said to the guy, I said, listen, if you look at the actual surveillance footage, and then you contrast that against the way people are trained, you can't see any type of parallel. No. But if I, if, and, and that's a problem, and I look at that as like an outsider, you know, as a researcher, and, and this is before the term reverse engineered uh, was even a thing. That's what I started doing. People would look at my training going, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm replicating violence. We would look at the classic videos of Lunsford, of Coates back in the day, like, you know, where officers got, you know, seriously injured or, or killed in the line of duty. And where people didn't want to look at those videos, I would study them and go, what was the butterfly? What could have been the butterfly effect that might have saved this officer's life? What can we learn from this? And it wasn't like a secret move. It was a relation. It was, it was what I call the 3D detective use event, a better approach to situational awareness, a better approach to verbal de-escalation and, and influencing the behavior of uh, the, the suspects so that if they decided to run or fight, that was more obvious. If we improve our perception speed, we decrease our reaction time. And I realized the secret was in scenario training, in replicating the real violence. I built an entire system around like the whole science of, of scenario training. One of the things that we did many times, and this is a conversation with many people outside of law enforcement, we did it in the academy, we did it yearly in service training, was trying to handcuff someone who did not want to be handcuffed. Right. And the truth is, without beating them, it is almost impossible for one officer, yep. two, or even three 
to physically restrain and handcuff someone who does not want to be handcuffed, who wants to resist without using right. violence. And it's, but, but when it happens, and we see it all the time, the first reaction out of so many in the, in the general population of the public is, oh, those officers are wrong. They didn't have to do that. Or, you know, it's it, uh, there's that, and then there's the companion thought is, look how violent those cops are. Yeah. Not realizing, and it doesn't matter, you're 100% right, I've done this where I've pulled like the smallest female out of the class and the biggest guy, and I said, handcuff. And if she wants to like resist and just squirm, like trying to pick up a cat, just, you're just scrambling to, unless you, unless you physically using blunt trauma, stun the person, you can't, you can't make that happen. So you're 100% correct. We've, and, but people don't want to hear that or see that, you know, that's the, that's the ugly side of, of it. And, and the, you know, the, the, the tongue in cheek, not so funny, funny comment of like, like if you don't want to be physically apprehended, don't break the law. Right. right. And, or uh, just if you, if you are being arrested, comply and then fight it in right. court or somewhere else, make a supervisor's complaint, do something else. You don't have a battle in the street. Right. You know, and it's a very emotional thing. And what I was saying, you know, uh, I think before the last break was that police officers don't get the training they deserve, don't get the training they need. I mean, some agencies are doing an outstanding job, but the first thing that always goes in a budget cut is training. And right. then if you've got a, and if you, and it's ridiculous because, you know, it's it's the cops on the ground boots on the street on the street type thing that are actually putting their hands on suspects. Like they need the training right. and everything. It's an interesting thing. You, you mentioned the, the headshot earlier, the punch in the head, you know, there's, if you're not, if you don't know this, I mean, most people know this intuitively. If I'm standing in front of you and I say, I'm going to kill you and I kick you in the shin, like a seven-year-old who's having a tantrum, you're probably not going to draw your gun and shoot me. You know, for a moment you get scared, I kick you in the shin and I stand there and I go, I'm going to kill you, cop. You look at me and go, okay, this yeah. is weird, right? And if I if I say, you know, I'm taking you down, man, I'm going to punch your face in, and then I, you know, I give you a little push. You get braced, you get ready to go, but you're not thinking deadly force. You're confused because my movement isn't congruous with the threat. Right. But if I say to you, I'm going to kill you, and then I sucker punch you, and it clips you in the chin or the throat, and you're falling to the ground, and then I'm on top of you because I just watched an MMA fight last night, and I'm mounting you, and I'm punching you like a ground and pound. You, you almost go stiff, you. and you can't, you can't move. Yeah. Well, here's the, and here's, the, here's the big thing, and I just got this research this week, official research from the United Kingdom, five-year independent study on our system, on the SPEAR system that showed over five years a reduction of 41% head trauma in the police department doing a five-year study. And here's this connection to this visual that I'm trying to paint this picture, that I can do whatever I want to you, and, and we're going back and forth almost like we're sparring. But the moment I punch you in the face and stun you, I have now attacked your emotional system your reptilian brain right. the amygdala the limbic system goes nuts there and it bypasses executive function prefrontal cortex where so where where you keep all of your cognitive you know if then go to if he does this i'll do that all your counters that's in your cognitive brain but what what we haven't 
And that doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are out of time, Tony. We're going to have you back in the future to talk more about this. Uh, uh, Particular aspects that the people in the community don't get and don't understand. And also, it's about making all of our communities safer. And we have violent people on the street, and they can't be contained by our first responders and law enforcement officers. Put all of us at risk. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Again, what is your website? It's Blauer Sphere, B-L-A-U-E-R-S-P-E-A-R.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. It's much appreciated. Thank you. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.